Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're in week three of a series called Keys of the Kingdom, Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We talked about how it is a realm, a reign, and a rule, and Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So that's what we've been focused on, and, and these keys represent a couple things. Number one, they represent access that we have access as sons and daughters of the king. We have access to the invisible realm. We have access to the kingdom of heaven and all of its resources. The second thing is that key, these keys represent partnership, that we partner with God. That's always how he works on this planet, by the way, friends, is in partnership with his people, the church. And the third thing that they represent is authority, spiritual authority to exercise God's life and love, his power and his presence, and so we've talked so far about three keys of the kingdom. We talked about prayer and fasting a few weeks ago. Last week we talked about the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, and today we're gonna add two more keys. And so if you have a Bible, open up with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one after service. I wanna give you some brief background real quick. Second Chronicles 20, incredible chapter. You ought to read all of it on, on your own later. You can preach a, easily preach a series just on this chapter. But a man named Jehoshaphat, I'm trying to convince Jenny that we should name our new baby Jehoshaphat, but she's not going for it. <laughs> he was the, the king of God's people in, the, in a land, in a realm called Judah. Judah now would be in the southern part of modern day Israel. By the way, Judah's name means praise. Keep that in mind. And three armies, three armies come against him at the exact same time. They decide to attack him. And so he is greatly outnumbered. And, and he was absolutely terrified. And friends, you would be too. But Jehoshaphat was a man of God. And so he knew where his strength and where his help come from. So he turned to the Lord. In fact, he called his entire nation, the entire nation of Judah, he called them to pray and fast and seek God. That's one of the keys of the kingdom. And I want you to read with me 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 12. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet if you would. Everybody stand to your feet, get up, because I'm gonna be preaching for about three hours, so you need a break. <laughs> you got better help, amen, otherwise the sermons will get longer. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we'll start in verse 12. I'm gonna read from New King James. You can read on the screen if you want. You can amen the word of God. In fact, let me pray. Father, speak to us through your word right now in the name of Jesus. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done in our lives today for your glory. We have ears to hear, hearts to receive, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Verse 12, the very last part of Jehoshaphat's prayer, he says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? It's referring to these three other nations' armies. Listen, he says, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you. Wow. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of all these different people, 
in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Whew. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O you Judah, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of these people and the children of those people <laughs> stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning, they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Come on, before you sit down, tell the person next to you, say, hey, I don't know if I've told you this before, but you have a lovely singing voice. Come on, tell somebody, I'm serious. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but you have a lovely, lovely singing voice. Pastor Junior. <laughs> Title of my message is The Battle is the Lord's, the Song is Yours. We're going to learn about two more keys of the kingdom praise and worship. Praise and worship. Praise and worship are closely related, they're intertwined, really inseparable. They go hand in hand with each other. It's like prayer and fasting. Come on, it's like chips and salsa, <laughs> it's like tacos and guacamole. It's like Shaq and Kobe before they started hating each other. It's like Clayton Kershaw and Austin Barnes. But, but there is a difference. There is a difference. Worship is, is focusing on God. Praise is declaring who God is. Worship is putting God on the throne of your life. In other words, making him number one. That your, your whole life is for his service and for his glory. And praise is celebrating the fact that he's on the throne of your life. Worship is bowing down before the king. Praise is lifting up the king. Worship is the recognition that God deserves all the glory. Praise is giving him all the glory. Worship is a commitment in your heart to love God. Praise is an exaltation from your mouth that you love him. And praise flows from worship. And so if you really worship God, like Jesus says, if you love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, then the natural byproduct of that is praise. Every person on this planet, whether they realize it or not, they worship someone or something, everyone. 
Because you were created to worship. God created you to worship. You are just created to worship him. But some people worship money, career, fame, their spouse, their kids, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, sports, drugs, alcohol, sex, themselves. A lot of people just worship themselves. Some people worship academics and intellectualism and philosophies. Some people worship politics. I have a neighbor who doesn't know the Lord. I'm praying for him. Me and some of my other neighbors who know the Lord are witnessing to him. I honestly think, I don't mean this as a joke, I think he literally worships his dog. I think this man worships his dog. Whatever is seated on the throne of your life, the number one place in your heart is what you worship. And for us who know the Lord, Believers, Christians, the church, Jesus followers, we are only supposed to worship the Lord and nothing or no one else. Only God is worthy of worship. That's why he says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, have no other gods before me for the Lord your God is a jealous God. That does not mean like Oprah thinks that God is insecure. Believe me, friends, there's no insecurity in God. It means that nothing and nobody else is worthy of worship. Because nobody else spoke in just universes and galaxies and stars and light and things beyond the most brilliant minds on this planet can comprehend. Nobody else did that. Only he did that. In fact, the old English word for worship is worth-ship. It means to give worthiness to the one receiving special honor or devotion. And so we understand worship at some, at some level, even if you don't normally go to church. We also understand praise at some level because we praise others. You know, guys, if you have a fantasy football team, you brag to your friends when you beat them and when you do well. You, you give praise to one of the players on your team who, who plays well, Juju Smith-Schuster. Come on, somebody. Uh, ladies, you know, you, you praise or compliment your girlfriend when she gets a nice haircut. Parents, we ought to praise our children. Sometimes that's difficult depending on how old they are. You just got to find something to praise them for, right? You just got to look for something. Son, good job not punching your sister in the throat today. I'm proud of you, son. Well done. You made it 24 hours. But praising God involves adoring him for who he is. It involves thanking him for what he does, rejoicing in him giving him the glory, celebrating him. And friends, you and I were created to live and breathe in an atmosphere of praise-filled worship to our creator because God made us to know him and love him. And this is why praise and worship are two of our keys of the kingdom that Jesus has given to us. And the story we just read, 2 Chronicles 20, it's jam, that, that is a jam-packed chapter. Read all of it on your own but I wanna pull out from there six powerful principles about praise and worship. Number one is praise and worship, put your focus on God. I love what Jehoshaphat says at the end of his prayer. He says, oh God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Friends, if you could just grasp onto that one truth, whew, that'll change things. Put your focus on God. God, by the way, wants our focus because he is focused on us. He wants your focus because he's focused on you. He loves you, friends, so much beyond what you can possibly comprehend and, and hold on to. He loves you so much. And no matter what is going on in your life, at any time, in any situation, you could be going through the most hellish season of your life, the deepest pain and grief, but he is still worthy of praise and worship. And you ought to put your focus on him, friends. Listen, if it was only, if all he ever did for us was the victory of the cross and the power of the resurrection, that is more than enough to praise him and worship him for all of eternity. Somebody say amen. 
What are you focused on, by the way, in your life right now? Is it a problem? Is it a person? Is it politics? Is it everything wrong in the world, all the craziness going on? Or are you focused on the Lord? Your ongoing focus on God really is the only antidote to all your anxieties, worries, fears, frustrations, and stress, by the way. Number two is praise and worship require your humility before God. It says Jehoshaphat bowed before the Lord and worshiped him. This, this man, he was a king. He was a powerful, powerful man. And as he bowed and worshiped before the Lord, his whole kingdom did the same thing. He was a humble man. Humility is an admission that you desperately need God in your life. It requires that you kill your pride and you die to yourself. It means that I take John off the throne of my life and I put Jesus there instead. And he does a way better job. I think Pastor Judy said that recently when she preached and did a great job. Jesus does a way better job running my life and controlling my life than I do. But humility, friends, first begins in your heart. It first begins in your heart and then it is, it is expressed in your words and your actions. Jesus says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you have humility in your heart, then praise and worship come out of your mouth and, and out of your actions. And by the way, there are a lot of biblical and physical expressions of praise and worship, and you're gonna hear about that in a minute. Listen, I love sports probably as much as anybody in here. I love sports, you know, and I have no problem with fans getting excited and being passionate about their teams or players. I'm all for that. I mean, Jenny gets mad at me sometimes. I'll be watching a game and I'll be yelling at the TV, getting excited or sometimes angry, depending on what's going on. I have no problem with that. But the problem that I do have is with, and this is a little bit more directed to men than women, all this applies to all of us, but when men of God say that they love Jesus and they come into the house of God, into the presence of God, the King of all kings, and week after week, Month after month, year after year, as we are lifting up praise and worship, Sarah, who's six months pregnant, is bouncing around on here. We've got to strap her to a chair or something. That's why she was sitting down. And you're sitting there with your hands in your pockets or your arms folded or you're checking your watch or you're checking the score on your phone. And yet you're, when you go to the UCLA football game, not last night, but or the SC game or the Raiders game or the Lakers game or the Dodgers game or the Angels game, you're the same one who is dancing, clapping, shouting, acting a fool, slapping dudes on the butt that you've never met. Come on, somebody. I was at the UCLA football game a few weeks ago, going in the fourth quarter, and they put on California Love, Tupac and Dr. Dre, and everybody in that stadium, 70,000 people, including all the old white dudes, all the old UCLA alumni, start dancing. Start dancing. One guy was just doing this. One other tall white dude was doing this. I was like, what is happening? What, is, what kind of dance move is that? Oh, oh my gosh. Listen, hey, you can be passionate about your football team. Be passionate about your sports teams. How much more? How much more, friends, should you be passionate about the Lord? Come on. The one who breathed life into you. 
The one who before he formed the world, he was thinking about you. The one who has a plan and purpose for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Come on, somebody. The one who loved you so much that at one point he stepped out of eternity. He wrapped himself in humanity. He came and he lived. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He showed you how to love God, how to love people. He died and bled on the cross. He shed his own precious blood. There's more power in one drop of his blood than anything else in this world. And when he died, he went down to hell, kicked down the gates, ripped the keys of death and hell from the devil. He said, there's a new sheriff in town. Your time is done. And then he ascended to heaven. And then he decided, I'm gonna baptize you with fire. I'm gonna fill you with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna live this life on your own. I've given you now the keys of the kingdom. Come on, somebody. So don't come in here. Don't come in my church. <laughs> and sit there with your hands in your pockets looking bored. Go to another church down the street. <laughs> listen, listen, look, I know we come from different church backgrounds. Listen, there's a time to be quiet. There's a time to sit down and be silent. I, look, I'm all for that. That's not all the time. In fact, my third point is this. Praise and worship involve lifting up your voice loud and high to God. That's, that's what it says they did. Sorry, forgive me for a moment. I can't help that point without thinking about the movie Elf. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Friends, listen, you gotta lift up your voice. Some translations say with a very loud shout. Worship is not a warm up. Worship is warfare. We, we, don't, we don't sing songs at the beginning just because people show up late, especially to 11.30 service. And we gotta buy time or something before we get up to preach. What happens in worship and praise, what happens in that singing, it is as important as the message that's being preached. Maybe in some ways it's arguably more important. Praise and worship are spiritual warfare. And your voice is a spiritual weapon. Some of our weapons are a little bit more fine-tuned than others, but that's all right. Some of you think, ah, oh, you, you try to make excuses. I don't like singing. Yeah, right. When you are in your car driving by yourself and your favorite band comes on or your favorite song comes on, you sing. I don't know, depending on how old you are. Elvis Presley, Bobby Darin, The Beatles, Rolling Stones. I don't know what y'all listen to. Metallica, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, Green Day, whatever. I don't know what you're listening to now, you, you young kids. <laughs> listen, you sing. You sing. Oh, that's different in church. There's people around. They're listening to me. No, they're not. Believe me, they aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Actually, hopefully they're thinking about Jesus. But they're not listening to you. You, think I, you might think, well, I don't have a good voice. Friends, this is not the TV show, The Voice, where God is up in heaven with his back turned in a chair, and then he hears a good voice over here, over there, and he turns around, and he ignores you. That's not how it works. The Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I could do that. It's joyful, and it's a noise. I don't know that it sounds too good. Maybe the angels are covering theirs. I don't know, but I'll make a joyful noise. Number four is praise and worship. Verbalize your faith in God. This is my favorite point. Praise and worship. Verbalize your faith in God. Let's, let's go back to verse 19. And when Jehoshaphat had consulted with the people, 
He appointed, I think he had a point because ain't nobody volunteered. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And we're saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Friends, what impossible situation are you facing right now? Where do you need a supernatural breakthrough? And if you're not facing one, honestly, you ought to praise the Lord that you're not. But at some point, sooner than later, you will be. Maybe it's in your finances, your job. Maybe it's in your health, your marriage, or one of your family members, or your mental health. What do you do when you need a breakthrough? What do you do when you're faced with an impossible situation? Who or what do you turn to? Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah were facing an impossible situation. Three enemy armies were preparing to attack them and wanted to annihilate them and wipe them off the face of the planet. And Jehoshaphat's military strategy, Jehoshaphat's military strategy was, let's put the choir on the front lines. Let's put the choir, let's put the singers on the front lines and the trumpeters and the, har and the harpists. I, I don't know, I, I would imagine that if I were one of those guys, I'd say, are you sure this is a good idea? Could I at least have a sword or a shield or something? Or can I stand behind the archers? It's like, can you imagine one of our generals today saying, hey, guys, I got, a, I got a good idea. I got a good strategy. Let's put some singers on the front lines. That'll strike fear in the heart of our enemies. Listen, the reason, I know we're making fun of it, but just seriously, that's exactly what he did. The reason, friends, is simple. The reason is because the man of God spoke the word of God. And he said, the battle is the Lord's. He said, men, women, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. Because God is with you, and surely he will fight this battle for you. Stand still and position yourself. Because the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. So listen, God chose him. He said, you will be victorious. But Jehoshaphat, this man of God, he's the one who chose to sing praise and worship. You know why? Because he understood something. He, he knew who God was. And he says, listen, as we begin to lift up the name that is above every name, as we begin to praise and worship our king, these other guys, they worship false gods. They're man-made. They're worshiping goats and calves and donkeys, and they're doing all kinds of stuff. But when we begin to lift up his name, he's going to do something. He's going to show up. Listen, as you begin to praise and worship God in your life, his presence comes. His power comes. Why? Because you are inviting his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And listen, faith involves that you do that in advance on the front end of things. It doesn't, it doesn't take any faith when you thank God afterwards. You thank him before. You thank him in advance. The world says, I'll believe it when I see it. God's already shown up in so many ways. Faith says, I believe it before I see it. My dad used to preach, doubt your doubts and feed your faith. Praise and worship our verbalized faith. God, I thank you that you're taking care of my broken finances in this bankruptcy. God, I praise you and thank you that you are healing me in Jesus' name from cancer. I thank you that you're protecting my family in this weird, crazy COVID world. I thank you that you are working out this conflict. That's, that's what it does. It's verbalized faith, friends. Number five is this. Praise and worship. Invite God's kingdom power into your situation. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord defeated their enemies. The presence of God's kingdom power is directly related to the practice of God's praise. 
And so whenever and wherever God's people praise him individually or corporately, he reigns. He reigns among them and he does miraculous things on their behalf. Since we're talking about praise and worship, I thought it appropriate to bring up our worship director, the one that we love and are thankful for so much. Come on, let's welcome Sarah Hernandez. Thank you, appreciate it. So glad to be here with you guys this afternoon. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is what I'm made for. That's right, we're made to worship, praise God. So why do we worship? Worship, like Pastor John was saying, is not just a prelude to the sermon, rather than the people of God inviting the dominion of his kingdom to be established here on earth. Psalm 22, 3 says that the king of kings is literally enthroned on the praises of his people. So that when we're singing, we're building him a throne and he comes and he sits and his presence rests. Wherever God's people come together to worship, we become a habitation for his presence. God comes to dwell where his people worship in all the weight of his glory. His rulership and his dominion are present. That happens when we begin to praise. He sits and he's here. You could feel the shift in the atmosphere when the King of Kings walks into the room. In this atmosphere where worship ushers in the presence of God, there's four really awesome things that happen. Number one, the word becomes life. Number two, his kingdom is established. Three, people will be healed. You see signs, wonders, and miracles. People come to know the Lord. And number four, because God is empowering us, our worship crowds out the borders of hell's current domain. Amen, amen. How powerful a key of that worship is. Worship is essential to God's plan of redemption and provides a strategic avenue for God's entry into our broken world. So we are learning the Lord's Prayer, and the Lord's Prayer begins with worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then we extend an invitation. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as you pray that, you pray that in your own circumstance. Lord, thy will be done in my life. Your, your kingdom come in my life. So how, if that's why we worship, then how? How do we worship? I'm gonna give you some really super practical stuff here. The biblical patterns of worship involve all aspects of human personality, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. The living God has created us with a mechanism inside of us that wants to express joy when something good happens. Have you ever, if you have little ones or if you have grandchildren and you turn on music, what do they do? <laughs> they start to move. It's built inside of us. It's what we want to do because God is so good. He's built us with that inside. So when we surrender ourselves to the full expression of worship, the spirit descends and room is given for him to meet every person in a special way. And worship involves physical expressions founded on biblical principles. So I'm gonna read these off to you, okay? There's a bunch. Kneeling, clapping your hands, raising your hands, verbalized praise, singing hymns and psalms, 
weeping, laughing, bearing witness aloud, saying amen. Amen. (laughs) Reading the word aloud, prostrating before the Lord, that's laying face down, speaking in tongues, dancing before the Lord, giving public testimony, standing, silence, and spiritual songs. And in just the chapter we read today, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there are 11 different Hebrew verbs for active physical worship. How cool is that? And in Paul's epistle to the Romans, he proclaims the glory of the Lord and the motivation for our worship. He says, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. We sang that song today. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. And he tells us to worship with what can only be considered as our appropriate response. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's Romans 12. So when we worship and we present ourselves holy and open before him, the compounding of both our life in him and of his beauty in us takes place. That means we're becoming more like Jesus. The way of his glory is seeping through our system and our identity becomes secure in Jesus Christ. The Lord says in Romans 14 that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So therefore, we're summoned to present our bodies, emotions, our spirits, and our minds to him in every biblical form of expression as he would graciously teach us. And when we worship as his appointed priests, that's you and I, We invite and administrate his glorious life, his purpose, and his power to be realized not only in our lives, but in our world. And boy, does our world need it, right? So we're going to practice a little bit right now, okay? You stay seated. You're going to sing along with me. And just direct your hearts to Jesus. Remember, nobody's listening to you, but Jesus is. And it's a sweet aroma unto him. So we're going to sing together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to together. Here we go.
my grandma Pat's favorite song. The older my grandma gets, she's 89, the more she loves Jesus. And I, seriously, you'll be talking, if you talk to Grandma Pat, she'll talk about family, she'll talk about the Lord, and then she'll just bust out into that song at any given time, just loves that song. I asked Sarah, by the way, I said, Sarah, you ought to preach next week and let me lead worship, and she started laughing at me, which I thought was pretty rude, actually. Here's, my, here's the last principle, praise and worship, number six. Praise and worship, call on God to fight for you to defeat your enemy. I don't know what enemy you're facing that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Maybe it's depression. Friends, begin to praise Jesus that he is your hope. Maybe it's financial pressure, then begin to thank the Lord in faith that he is your provider. Maybe it's cancer. Why don't you worship him because he is your healer? Maybe it's grief. Then praise him that he is your comforter. Maybe it's anxiety. Then thank him for being your peace. He is your peace. Maybe it's loneliness. Once you worship him that he's always with you. He never leaves you. Maybe it's fear. Then begin to praise him for being your strength. When you lift up your voice in praise and worship, in the invisible realm, hellish powers begin to flee. They begin to scatter. The enemy must flee. Because when you lift up the name of Jesus, and you lift up the blood of Jesus, and you begin to declare who God is and all he's done, the enemy has to flee. He has to flee. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua and the Israelites taking the promised land, Jericho. What do they do? They follow God's instructions. And then the last day, march around multiple times, six, seven times. And it says, and then they shouted. They shouted. And the walls came down. And their enemy was defeated. Judges chapter 7, Gideon, who had started off with a few thousand men, God whittled the army down to 300 and God gives him a strategy and says, this is how you're going to defeat the enemy. And one of the things that they had to do was they had to blow a trumpet with an instrument. And then it said they shouted with a mighty shout. And the enemy turned on each other and began to kill each other. And then the rest of them fled. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are preaching to them last week who had been in prison. And then they're released. Don't talk anymore in this name. Don't preach anymore in this name. They go back get together with some of their friends and they gather and they begin to cry out. It says that they lifted up their voice in one accord. They lifted up their voice and they began to pray and cry out to God. And it says when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was, was, was shaken. And it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness, friends. Come on, the battle is the Lord's, but the vo your voice is yours. Psalm 47 says, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. Other translations say, say putting our enemies beneath our feet. The battle is the Lord's, but the song is yours.
We're gonna sing and worship the Lord and praise him in just a minute. But before we do that, we, we have to do one other thing, which I think is the most important thing in this service, at least for some people, because it has eternal consequences, friends. And that's to give you an opportunity to come into relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're here today or watching online and maybe you, you know, believe in God or maybe you, maybe you don't, I don't know, but something shifted in your heart. It doesn't matter if you believe in God, you need to be in relationship with him. You need to know him. And Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he gave his son, he gave Jesus to come to live for you, to die for you rose from the dead to give you abundant and eternal life. You were created to worship the Lord. You were created to walk in relationship with him. Jesus came, friends, to make a way for you, but you have to make a decision. By the way, all of us are gonna spend eternity somewhere. This is not the end. Your, your actual life on earth is just like a speck of sand compared to the rest of eternity. And eternity with God is called heaven. Eternity apart from him, separate from him is called hell. But you are created to spend eternity with him in heaven, which is more incredible than you could possibly imagine. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation, but you have to make that decision. Nobody can make it for you, your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, mom or dad, they can't make it for you. You have to make a choice to surrender and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my savior. I receive everything that you've done for me. I receive all of who you are into my life. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Just give the gift of privacy. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you've never made that decision before. You've walked away, you prayed a prayer, you walked away, you find yourself back in church today for whatever reason you're here. You wanna respond to the Lord. He loves you, friend. He loves you. He's waiting for you to come back to him. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and look at me, make eye contact. I promise you I won't embarrass you, I won't make you say anything, I won't call you to the front, but I want to see you and agree with you. If you're watching online, let them know as well. If that's you here today, friends, respond. Today's the day of salvation. On the count of three, lift up your hand, and I'm gonna agree with you. One, two, three, lift up your hand, hold your hand up. I see you, young man, I know you. You need to talk to your dad today about it too, okay? I see you, friend, I know you. Anybody else here this morning? I see you, sir, right there. I see you, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else here today? Several hands in this place. Anybody else? Just wait one other minute. Yep, I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Moment of salvation, first step in following the Lord. Greatest moment of, of your life. Wow, the lady over there is crying. He loves you. Ma'am, he loves you. He's gonna come in, he's gonna touch you, he's gonna change you. He's gonna wash you in his grace. Come on, church, let's pray this prayer. It's a prayer of confession and faith. Let's pray it loud, let's pray it strong in support of our friends making that decision today. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner. And right now I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, be my Lord and be my savior. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, 
Amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that? Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.